Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here, and we've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, as usual, we're going to have that minute on innovation with Christina Sigiotis. We're going to be talking about when things go wrong, what happens to innovation. We're also talking with Alira Aitchison from New Hunter Business about the new Enterprise Incentive Scheme. But right now, we've got Greg Kerr back in the studio from Effective Workplace, and a few weeks ago, we were talking about bullying in the workplace, and we thought we'd uh, take that up a little bit further. Good afternoon, Greg. G'day, Julian. Well, thanks for joining us again. Now, we were talking about uh, workplace bullying, and of course, it is becoming or appears to be becoming more predominant out there in the workplace, whether it's because we're more focused on it or not. But obviously, employers do have some responsibilities. Can they put systems in place to uh, make sure they're meeting their responsibilities? Uh, a- absolutely, and that's really the key to meeting those responsibilities to put robust sound systems in place from the very beginning to eliminate the, or certainly reduce the risk of bullying occurring. Uh, probably the, the first step is to put in place a, a, a very clear policy, one that makes clear what the expectations are um, of staff and what's going to happen. So um, what a policy should include would be things, a basic statement that bullying will not be tolerated, uh, no matter who does it, particularly the values that the business expects of all of its staff, including things like respect, tolerance, honesty and fairness. Um, Also then, if bullying does occur, that the policy encourages people to make that known to management so it can be dealt with. And a policy that provides appropriate protection for victims of bullying, because one of the big problems is that people who are bullied are afraid Mm. of reporting. Um, the other side of that, of course, is that the policy needs to make clear what the consequences are for the for the bully mm. of that sort of conduct. And in practical terms, well, if I've got a problem, who do I talk to? Nominate one or more contacts to whom cases of bullying can be reported. And then, and this is, again, the real teeth of the, the policy, I suppose, that there needs to be a, a mechanism for investigating complaints and dealing with them that that is fair, that works quickly and in a timely manner, and that's transparent so everyone has confidence in it. And then needs to look at providing support mechanisms for the victims of bullying, but also innocent bystanders, if you like, other members of staff who see this happening and may be afraid for themselves or are unhappy and uncomfortable about the fact that it's occurring. So that step one is the mm. policy, making clear what what the requirements are and what will happen. The second step and and the real guts of it, I suppose, from a a manager's point of view is, okay, what do I do when it happens? So the first, I think, critical issue is to act promptly. Don't let it fester. Mm -hmm. And then deal with it in a way that's fair, what lawyers will call procedural fairness. And that basically is four pretty simple steps, at least on the surface, let the alleged bully know what it is that they're supposed to have done. Give them a full and fair hearing so that they can respond, so that they can explain what happened from their point of view. Um, And then once you've, if you like, gathered the facts as a manager, consider all the relevant matters around it and make sure you don't take into stuff 
uh, take into account stuff that's not relevant. Mm. You know, it might be hearsay or gossip or whatever, stuff that's not proven. And the other message that's really important is that managers need to act consistently. So I think if those two basic building blocks are in place, managers will have the systems they need to address bullying effectively. We've outlined a couple of points there. What is involved in investigating the bullying? Okay. Um, again, I say that it's important that they act promptly and mm. decisively. It doesn't mean leaping in boots and all and jumping to conclusions, but what it does mean is launching an investigation that, that establishes facts uh, and then taking the steps that are necessary to protect the alleged victim from the risk of further harm. So... What are the hallmarks, then, of a good investigation? Needs to be impartial, needs to be thorough, confidential, because you don't want this, the, some of what's going on just out in the workplace as public property. Ensure that people who are being interviewed have appropriate support if they need it, and that's particularly important for the victim of a bully. They may not feel comfortable talking about it. Letting them have someone there who can, who can help them um, through an interview is important. Based, the investigation needs to be based on ascertaining and uh, testing fact, not just taking and accepting at face value opinion or hearsay. And that's pretty obvious, I think, but it's difficult to do in in um, in practice, I guess. You need evidence in case of further action, so you need a good record of what's said, both as a, an assistance to decision making, but also in case it goes further. And there needs to be a clear outcome that's communicated clearly and accurately to the parties, both the bully and the victim of the bullying, and action as to what's going to happen as a result. Um, you know, that may be that the bullying allegation is found to have been proven mm. and action needs to be taken. Um, it may be that there's a finding that the allegations are unfounded. Now, that can range from things being badly misinterpreted or miscommunication, uh, or it can be someone who's making malicious allegations. Mm. And mm. managers need to be aware that both can be the case. Sure. So just a very basic outline then. Get the alleged victim's account down clearly. Events, words, dates and times, not vagueness. Put the allegations to the alleged bully. Give the that person an adequate opportunity to respond and give their account of events. Again, it needs to be precise. Events, words, dates and times. Then weigh the evidence. Assess it and make a decision as to what what has happened and then um, come up with some findings. Well, what did happen? What's the conclusion that follows from those facts that have been found? Was there bullying? Was it something else? Was it nothing? Uh, and then management needs to decide what to do. And that can range from um, a warning, if it's not, not serious, or it can range as far as termination of employment. All right. Well, now, what happens if it's the manager or the business owner that is the uh, alleged bully? Yeah, that that's a really difficult one, and particularly with um, small to medium enterprises, that is often the case because obviously it's the manager who mm. may be raising performance management issues and the staff member feels distressed and confronted by that. I think there are two things that can be done. One is to make sure that the 
risk of um, unwanted action against the manager being taken is minimised by ensuring that the process of dealing with the situation is robust. Um, make sure that it's fair, that it's transparent. So, for instance, if we're in a performance management process and we're worried that there might be an allegation of bullying comes out of it as a way of deflecting action, um, ensure that a manager doesn't meet alone with the staff member, that there's someone there who can act as an observer, take notes and so on, and that the staff member has is offered the opportunity to have a support person present. Ensure that any alleged shortcomings or allegations are identified precisely so that someone knows exactly what it is that's being talked about and exactly what it is that they're alleged to have fallen short in or done wrong and that they're also told what the expectations of management are. It's obviously a good thing that the first time they hear about those expectations is not in that interview. Managers need to make that known from the very beginning. What do we require? Mm. Um, give the, the employee a full opportunity to respond, as I've already said. And then having gone through that set clear remedial action and review periods, document the meetings, this issue of evidence again, and give the employee a copy of the record of the meeting and then stick to any plans that are set. That sort of robust, clear process should minimise the risk that a claim will be made or mm. an allegation of bullying will be made, or if one is made, that there is clear evidence that what was being done was proper and appropriate management action. So it's re really important then for organisations to have these systems in their procedures manuals, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, some places don't have sophisticated procedures manuals, but they still need to have those policies, they still need to have them in writing and they need to make them known. That's the other thing. People need to know that the policies yeah. exist and know that they will be followed. Mm. The, other, the other thing, particularly where the manager is the um, target of a bullying allegation, is to look at, well, if we don't have internal resources to conduct an investigation, what do we do? There are people out and about, consultants, who will carry out the investigations externally. It may also be important to look at other options, not just a formal investigation, but perhaps looking at mediation between the parties using an external mediator to um, give the opportunity for these issues to be resolved by, um, if you like, facilitated negotiation and discussion. Now, that can lead to a whole range of outcomes, of course. It can lead to acceptance by an alleged bully that what management was doing was appropriate. It can lead to acceptance that, um, well, perhaps what was being reported wasn't quite right, but there are issues that need to be addressed in the workplace. So mediation isn't just a compromise outcome, if you like. It's a way of getting to a, a principled and reasoned out, outcome that uh, may not be achievable in another way, particularly if, if it's management or the manager against an employee making allegations, and there's no one else who can really investigate independently within the organisation. Mm. Well, thanks for your time again, Greg. That's uh, given us important to uh, to have those systems in place to deal with any of those issues that may come You're up. You're welcome. We'll have a chat another time. Thanks very much, Julian. Thank you. Greg Kerr there from Effective Workplace, helping us to understand, have those systems in place 
to ensure that you can deal effectively with bullying in the workplace. And you're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. It's 26 minutes past one and we're going to have a chat with Alira Aitchison from New Hunter Business about the new Enterprise Incentive Scheme. Good afternoon, Alira. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for joining us and jumping in at the last minute for Sinead. So the first question is, what is the new Enterprise Incentive Scheme or NICE scheme? Okay, well, NICE, it's a federal government incentive program funded by the Department of Employment, Education and Workplace Relations and it is aimed at eligible job seekers on Centrelink entitlements who want to start their own business. Okay, so you've, you've mentioned the eligibility there of... Uh, um, Want, uh, having to be in a benefit, is there any, are there any eligibility requirements? There are. There are a number of eligibility requirements. Um, the two key considerations are that, yes, that they do need to be in receipt of an eligible Centrelink benefit. The other being that they need to be available to participate in full-time training, um, which goes over five weeks. Other eligibility criteria is that they must be over the age of 18. They must um, have not been on needs for the previous two years. They must be able to work full-time in their proposed niece business once it actually commences um, and a number of other criteria. So this is all going to help them to uh, set up a, a successful small business. Is the program successful? It is. It is most definitely successful. It is, in fact, one of DUI's most successful programs. The statistics actually show that after completing 12 months on the program, 84% of participants are still successfully operating their businesses and not needing to receive any further Centrelink entitlement. So uh, are there many of them around in Newcastle area? There are a number of successful niche businesses in this area, um, all different types of industries and fields, operating at local markets, selling produce, clothing, jewellery, other businesses such as bookkeepers, massage therapists, dance, and singing schools, web designers, graphic designers. The sky's the limit, really, and the scope of the business is only limited by the imagination of, and determination of the participants. So have you got some uh, courses coming up soon? We do. We have three courses running at the moment, and we are now accepting applications from interested people in the Lake Macquarie and Central Coast area. So there will be a course that will commence at the Business Growth Centre at Gateshead on the 23rd of April, and another course that will commence at the Business Enterprise Centre at Tuggera on the 7th of May. So we would love to hear from anybody interested in joining either of those courses. And I believe you've got an information session coming up. We do. We are holding an information session on Monday the 2nd of April. Um, it will be held at Max Employment, which is located at 51 Healy Street, Wyong. Uh, the information session commences at 11 o'clock, and uh, we hope to see a lot of faces there. And if people want more information, they can go to your website, newhunterbusiness.org? They can, yes. Uh, we have a website, as you said, newhunterbusiness.org. They can also contact New Hunter Business directly by phone on 1-800-815-705. Um, we can send through any application forms or any other information that they need. Alternatively, they're welcome to email through any inquiries that they might have to our email address which is nice at businesscentre.com.au. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time, Elira. We'll talk to you another time. Thank you very much, Julian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
Alia there from New Hunter Business, and that's a fantastic scheme, the New, Hunter, New Enterprise Incentive Scheme. If you are in receipt of a benefit in thinking about going into your own business, the government is certainly providing some assistance there to help you. Well, now it's time for our Minute on Innovation with Christina Sikiotis from Hunter TAFE. When things go wrong, what happens to innovation, Christina? Oh, more often than not, people send innovation out the window, Julian, unfortunately. In times of distraction, we usually resort to same old, same old because we tend to operate out of fear. As you quite rightly mentioned earlier, when we're put under a time constraint, old habits jump in. But that's when innovation should be our most useful tool. We should be innovative in, in approaching solutions to problems. This is when your ideas board can go into full operational mode. You involve colleagues. You invite them to be part of the solution. You own the significant challenge as a team. At Create and Innovate, we see significant challenges and opportunity to debate pros and cons. We'll often play devil's advocate against our own solutions to solidify our belief in those solutions. One of my favourite topics at school was debating and the challenge of being on the opposite side of my core beliefs. It forced me to see things from different viewpoints and think about different outcomes and possibilities. Anita Roddick started the body shop in 1976 because of a significant challenge. She was the mother of two young daughters and her husband announced plans to travel on his own. She needed an income, something she could do from home um, and with little outlay. She made quality skincare products from her garage. No animal testing was involved. She used refillable containers, had environmental concerns and she sold from home. From here, the body shop grew into the company it is today with a huge social conscience. Her husband, by the way, came back and worked on her in the business. Let's see, Julian, how the retail sector now reacts to the significant, sector, uh, the significant challenge that it's faced with. Let's hope they do it with innovation. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time, Christina. And we'll have a chat next week about uh, uh, creating the right environment for our innovation. Sure, Julian. Have a great week. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina Sikiotis there from the Hunter TAFE, the um, Create and Innovate area. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you enjoyed the program. We've had a catch-up there on the bullying in the workplace, particularly the importance of looking and putting systems in place. We've spoken about the new enterprise incentive scheme and, of course, that minute on innovation. Next week, we're going to chat with about uh, changing your thinking with Dallas Fell from MindSwitch. We'll talk about the use of technology in your business with Brett Gleeson from the Business Growth Centre and, of course, have another Minute on Innovation with Christina Sikiotis to motivate you and improve your business. I'd love your company at the same time for business, the law and you. Until then, have a safe and prosperous week and, as Ralph Walter Emerson once said, the reward of a thing well done is to have done it.